Hey guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, a Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We are two single girls on a journey to continue to figure out how to date well as Christian women. You make us, or you try to make us sound a lot better than we are. I'm just trying to be dramatic. <laughs> let's be real. It's the finale of the Bachelor week, so the oh drama is flowing. <laughs> the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. Oh, but for real, this one might be. I don't think there's going to be one. Oh, I know. By the time this airs, it'll be over. I haven't watched it yet, but... Yeah, me either. Yeah. Anyway. I actually got Bethany hooked on it, though, and she I know. never I'm so watches mad at you. it. I'm so excited. I'm so mad at you. <sighs> well, you won't be. It'll be fine. It's going to be great. Okay. Um, okay, my so question, question of the is, day. Did, Qu- did Colton find his soulmate? Oh, we're not <laughs> going there yet. <laughs> Way to lead into the... Don't jump the gun. I have Sorry. my question. Okay, go ahead. Okay, question of the day. Yes. I'm talking with my hands a lot today. It's okay, no one can see you. You don't look weird at <laughs> anyone except me. <laughs> okay, what was a nickname you had growing up, and where did you get it? Oh, man. And did you like it? I was pretty neutral on it. Okay. I had one growing up. My dad and my brother really were the only two. They called me Bertha. <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay, so you we were... I think it was just me and dad. Steve just jumped in on it later. But, like, we were going somewhere, you know, over in Canton. Right. Bunch of cows everywhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I said something about, oh, my word, look at that cow over there. And my dad was like, that's a bull, Bethany. <laughs> and I was like, bull, cow, same difference. And he goes, yeah, you know, Bethany, Bertha, same difference. And literally, like, still, they both call me that today still. Are you Not serious? all the time, but, oh yeah, my they both still call me Bertha. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my word. Now I might start calling you that. No, don't. I had a lot of nicknames growing up. I'll say two because one of them's like sweet and one of them's funny. So my (laughs) favorite nickname is um, Skittles, which is what Melanie called me. That's what your dad still calls Uh me to this day. And it's been, what, 13 years? Yeah. 10 years. However long it's been since that nickname came about. But it was because Melanie, I called her Hershey's because she was like the chill like chocolate's very like sweet and smooth smooth. yeah and i was the really like peppy colorful animated like loud ish louder than her at least yeah that's when it happened Ah, so we had it put on our gym bags for basketball we've had it engraved places it's great but my funny one is when i played basketball Growing up, I got called Speedy and Flash, ironically. Why? Oh, I was going to say, why? I was very slow. Speed was not my gift. Um, so, And my dad coached me for 14 seasons, and that was something he always <laughs> called me. And then my coach in 11th grade called me. It was one time we were literally running a drill, and he was like, man, Kristen, the Flash is just killing it today. He's like, I think you just like went by in a blur. And I'm like, I hate all of you. This sucks. That's um, really funny, though. So, yeah, to this. Yeah, I'll Speedy. occasionally, yeah, they'll still call me Speedy. That's so really funny. It's fine. You don't, it doesn't hurt anymore. But it's okay. <laughs> so, fun facts. Oh, man. About us. There are plenty yeah. more, but I'm not going to share all well, of them. Well, yeah, a lot we'll of them keep are embarrassing. you in suspense a yeah. little bit longer. Yes. Okay. So, let's jump in, as okay. Bethany already teased the topic yes. for today. I'm excited about this one. This was one of the ones I think you talked about in the um, in our like promo. Thing? Okay. Yes, was the one of the ones you want to talk about. We are answering the question, do soulmates exist? Is the one Is the out one there. out there? Is that a thing? Is is he? Are they? Is it a thing? I don't know. I don't know how the verbs agree there, but go ahead. <laughs> Short answer, yes or no? No. You? Nope. Thank goodness. Yeah. 
I'll say what I think in this <laughs> later. But no, I don't think that soulmates exist. And before we like crush every spirit in <laughs> listening to this, there are really like what we're going to talk about is encouraging. We're not just going to sit here and be like, oh my word, there are no soulmates and you're going to die alone. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're not trying to kill all of your romantic dreams. No. Yeah. (laughs) But we are going to talk about this topic because, I mean, it's a question that, or it's a, the one is talked about a lot. And so we just just follow your heart and you'll just know when you find the one. The one. Yes. Okay. So so did you know, I did some research on this because I didn't know. Of course you did. (laughs) Keep going. I'm the nerd. I know. Yes. Did you, did you know how the term even came to be a thing? Like I was like, where did this come from? No idea. Okay. So I looked it up and it began with the guy named Aristophanes. Sounds very great. I think I'm saying that correctly. Okay. He was a contemporary of Plato. Okay. And he had this theory or presented like the story that humans were originally made of four arms, four legs. And two faces all on, like, one, like, two faces on one head. So we basically um, spiders. Ew, gross, but kind of. <laughs> but that they only had one soul. Okay. And so the humans were very powerful, and they were, like, rising up against the gods. And so Zeus decided he was going to solve this issue of the humans kind of taking over, more or less. Okay. Sounds like a movie. It really does. I guess it was a play then, so it makes sense. Yeah. But... He So what he did was he split the humans in half. So instead of four arms, four legs, they had two arms, two legs, one face, but it split their soul in half in the process. And so there was this idea that we all just spend our entire life searching for that other half of our soul that was split. And that once we find them, we'll just have this blissful, unified, just unspoken understanding that doesn't require any effort and you'll just be perfectly and they'll complete you. Literally. That's kind of where that idea I think comes from too, that you're looking for someone to complete you is because it comes from this idea that your soul is incomplete without that other person. Wow. It explains so much. That does make a lot of sense. And was fascinating at the same time. Yeah. I had no idea that's where that came from. That is fascinating. We're both nerds, if you couldn't tell. So this is like, we're geeking out on this. But, yeah. I mean, I had no, I always just thought it was like a, I mean, I knew it was based off an idea of like, oh, my soul isn't this, you know. Yeah. It's whole without you. But I had no idea that's where it came from. That's super cool. But, second of all, that was my first of all, yeah. that I didn't know. Second of all, <laughs> I definitely think that there is a healthier way of looking at this concept or thinking about what you're looking for in a spouse or in someone to date. So I don't think this concept is totally wrong at all as far as just about every little thing about it. The principle, I think, is... Oh, yeah. It's definitely not biblical. No. In that our souls are incomplete because we need Jesus. Exactly. Not because we're looking for a person. Exactly. If if there's nothing else, that's the one thing. Yeah. And so I think as you're kind of thinking through, okay, well, I do want to find somebody that I click with. I think that's a great thing. I think you should click with the person that you're dating or that you marry. Like there's going to be, there are going to be guys you hit it off with better than others. It's okay to recognize that. And there should be somewhat of like a, oh, this is really fun. Like I really like hanging out Mm -hmm. with him. Like this seems easy to be around him. But on the other hand, I don't think it's healthy to look for another person to complete you, like yeah. you said before. Like, it is not a guy's job to be the other half of my soul. Right. Like, I am complete in Christ, period. And then if I happen to find another human being that I really like spending time with <laughs> and that's really cute and it's really easy to talk to and that we're heading in the same direction, then fantastic. Right. And it will be easier 
to be with certain people than with others. You're going to get along with certain people more than you do others. Whether it be you have the same sense of humor, you have interests in common, whatever that thing is, it's going to be easier. But at some point, once the honeymoon phase is worn off, it will be hard no matter who it is. So with like with anything else, like we've talked about, when you try to put a person or a thing, a thing about the person mm-hmm. into a role of filling a need that only God can, you will be left dissatisfied, period. It will happen at some point. You can mask it. Um, I think you can deny it. I think you can try to just keep putting the pressure on that person to be that for you. But at some point, they're not going to be able to do that. And Christ is the only thing that can fill that place in your soul that is lacking. He's the only thing that can be that true soul mate in that he's all that can fix a broken, fallen soul. People will never fill that need. He fixes brokenness. He redeems loneliness. He brings joy to hurting souls. And we can be so grateful for that. Yeah. Because I think what Aristophanes was like seeing is that there is brokenness in this world. There is emptiness. There are these things, but we can know, and only Christians truly know this, is that there is redemption, there is restoration, and that comes from Christ. Uh, I think a lot of times we get unnecessarily focused on this idea of brokenness as Christians. There's a lot out there that, you know, you don't have it all together and you shouldn't act like you have it all together and we're all broken, hurting people. And that is true. But when we as Christians stay in that place and we stay focused on our brokenness, we're missing so much. Jesus didn't come to leave us there. He came to fix brokenness. He came to redeem those things and to make us like him. And so if we try to put people in that role, it will never work. No, it'll be so disappointing. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing we want you guys to keep in mind as we're having this conversation today is there is so much comfort to be found in the fact that Jesus can meet every single need you have and a guy can't. No matter how bad you want him to, no matter how wonderful he is, no matter whether or not you marry him. Yeah. Like there will always be some area that he falls short But you have a Heavenly Father who loves you, who died for you, who is constantly pursuing you. And that's something that we can be confident in. Yeah. For sure. One other thing, kind of switching directions a little bit, but I did want to say this. Me and my roommate were actually having this conversation the other day about the concept of the one. If there was only one person for everybody... Okay, so everybody yeah. has just this one person that they can be with. In the whole world. In the whole entire, <laughs> six billion people. Yeah. And you think about all of humanity, all the people that have lived up until this point. Nobody has been perfect other than Jesus. Somebody has to have married the wrong person in the last, you oh. know, 10,000 years. In the last six months, somebody probably married today. the wrong person. So, which means that person ruined it for everyone. Right. Like, if, exactly. if, if I am supposed to marry Zach... Ephron, and <laughs> Bethany marries him instead, then that just threw off the rest of humanity, mm-hmm. and everybody's screwed. Everybody's soulmates are... Exactly. <laughs> no, so, but... It's, and it sounds funny and like, okay, well, duh, Kristen, but seriously, like, there is... And that's where I have a hard time with a, trying to wrap my mind around this, but this is why I'm not God and I'm a human. <laughs> with one soul With and one soul and two arms and two legs. Two legs is, I don't believe there's just one person Mm-mm. that I could marry, but I think God is still sovereign enough to know who the person I'm going to marry is. 100%. And I know that's kind of a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around, but we don't have to 
totally be able to explain it. We just no. need to be obedient and continue to trust and seek God's will for our lives. Yeah. And then, you know, you keep moving forward in that. But I yes. did want to say that of... No, I mean, we were kind of laughing about yeah. it. Like, we'll just messes it up for all of humanity. But if you take that concept to its logical conclusion, that's where you end up. Mm-hmm. And so the whole system kind of crumbles, I think, yeah. at that point. Yeah. Okay, so we've established, we don't think, and I think we made a pretty good case, that there are not soulmates. <laughs> of course, we didn't have anyone arguing the other side, That's so obviously true. our arguments are perfect. Right. It's easy to. <laughs> so, anyway, we've said deal. that. Okay, so we don't think soulmates exist. It's not a thing. So, how does that affect dating today? Like, what are some things that that affects when it comes to us trying to find not the one, but someone? <laughs> well, I think in a way it can kind of work against you a little bit because you can start playing into this consumeristic dating culture that has been created, unfortunately, where you're always looking for something better. So, you know, you are kind of talking to a guy maybe, but then, oh, this guy's kind of flirting with me and he's cute. What if he's even better than this guy? Uh So then I don't really want to, you know, because if I, I mean, I could be with both of them, but this guy actually seems kind of better. So I'm going to move on. You know, you can't just cut ties and run at the first sign of disagreement or you don't, like the way he chews his food. I'm, you know, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <Getting> really petty. <laughs> but seriously, like, you can't think, oh, just because this gets hard or because this is requiring more work than I expected it to, it isn't this effortless soulmate mentality, right. then they must not be the person I'm going to be with, so I'm going to move along. That'll translate into a future marriage, too, though. That consumeristic mindset, if you don't start taking that thought pattern captive now, And really think about love, marriage, soulmates, whatever, from a biblical perspective, you're going to end up in the same thing once you're married. And it won't necessarily be you thinking about a specific guy. Like, it's not going to be you're like, oh, but this guy at work is a lot cooler than my husband. It'll start with your thinking of, did I make a mistake? You know, I never envisioned my husband doing that. Mm. And now he does. And I'm stuck. And great. He probably isn't the right guy for me. Once you let those thoughts run in your mind, you will never be happy with your husband. But if you look at it and say, you know what? I never really wanted that, but this is the person that God has for me. And I'm going to lovingly look past these things. I'm going, and I'm not talking about sin issues. If it's a sin issue, you need to lovingly be the tool that God uses to confront him about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's a huge thing, obviously in marriage is that God's going to use the two of you to refine each other. Mm-hmm. So that bring up. But if you, your favorite example, if you don't like the way he loads the dishwasher, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares where he puts the cups in the plate? Yeah. As long as they're He's getting doing clean. the dishes. <laughs> also true. Let's so, be real. Like, Let's check the real it, way it, in but, here. But really, if you let, it doesn't take much. Little things like that in a relationship or a marriage can run wild. And you take it from, well, he doesn't load the dishwasher the way I do to, if he loved me, he would load the dishwasher the way I do. Mm. And then you're, you've jumped to telling yourself your husband doesn't love you or your boyfriend or like whatever, because he doesn't put plates and cups in a dishwasher the way you want him to. That's how that, I mean, if you like, again, like we were talking about taking things to their logical conclusion, that's where you get with this. And you're constantly wondering, oh, did I marry the right person? In John, it says, greater love has no one than this that he lays down his life for his friends. And what better friend do you have than your spouse? So what are you going to do? You're going to say, thank you so much for doing the dishes Yeah, and forget about how he did them. Yeah. Um, there's a funny um, quote from John Piper, and I'm going to paraphrase it more or less, but he basically says, do you want to know how you marry the right person? Wake up, find your marriage certificate. If the name on that matches the person in bed next to you, it's the right person. 
just love that. It's funny, one, but it's so true. Yeah. Like, that is your person. It doesn't matter what you, what your ideals were, what you had envisioned before. He's going to be different than that. But that's what God knows you need, and that's what God knows he needs. And our pastor has an analogy he's made several times, too, of like, you know what? Once you're married, your wife is your type. And same thing with a husband. He may not at all be the type you imagined, but you're married, so if he's blonde, your type is blonde. Mm -hmm. If he has brown eyes, your type is brown eyes. On down the line, you go, that is your type. That is the person for you, period. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's so, so funny, but so true. Yeah. That makes the point well. It really does. I will say, though, that I agree with everything you just said. (laughs) Obviously. You better. Um, No, we don't agree on everything. We don't. I'm just joking. Um, This isn't to say, though, that as soon as you start dating somebody, it's a requirement for you to marry them just because you've got to suck it up and deal with everything. That's not what we're saying at all either. So there's two sides of the coin here that you've really got to seek discernment and wisdom about as you're progressing in a relationship with somebody. Because there are some things that you just have to work through because it's hard work. But there are some things... That if they don't change could be a, you know, a sign that you need to just go different ways. Yeah. Um, Just because relationships are hard work doesn't mean you have to work through absolutely everything from early on in a dating relationship. There are things that would cause that to stop and not get to the point of marriage because you would not be able to work through those things in a marriage. Absolutely. So. So let's go over like a few examples just for a practicality standpoint. What are some things that are actually deal breakers versus things you should probably work through. Yeah. So I'll do the deal breakers okay. since I'm typically the optimistic one. We'll see if I can <laughs> go to the other side. This is just a given, but any kind of abuse, I want to sure. just say this as a caveat, like physical, verbal, emotional, sexual, any of that, that is a done deal. You please get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> that is my... Yes. There is no mm-mm. excuse for you to have to put up with that. Aside from that, there are a couple things we came up with that are more patterns you need to watch mm-hmm. for. This isn't a, hey, he does this one time and it's over. It's a, hey, he does this once or twice. I'm going to start taking notice. Right. So, for instance, if at any point his spiritual state comes into question, um, that's something you need to pay attention to. That's something you need to confront him about. I know that's super difficult for some people, myself included. I am not a confrontational person. (laughs) But if you're wondering, you know, how his faith is manifesting itself or if it's not manifesting itself, those are things you need to talk about as soon as you're starting to see them before you get too far down the road. Yeah, if you let that go too far, you will get... You know, if he's a cool guy to hang out with and he's fun, you're going to get emotionally invested. You're going to get attached. You're going to really, really like this guy. And you can't just say, oh, well, it'll work itself out. Or, oh, I'll just wait. Or, oh, if I just live this way, if I live, you know, totally sold out for Christ, then he will too because, like, he sees that. No, you can't do that. It needs to be addressed. It doesn't mean you break up immediately. I'm not saying that. But it needs to be, there needs to be a hard conversation that's had. And then depending on how that goes, then you decide whether or not you do need to part ways, I think. Yeah. I think another thing that might be a deal breaker is if there's a consistent inability to cooperate or this 
my way or the highway mentality. There has got to be give and take in a relationship on, on both? both sides. Exactly. And so, we Look finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> it's great. Um, I saw a preview for Frozen 2 at the movie yesterday. <gasps> it looks so good. It does. I'm so, I'm excited. so excited. I will go see that one. Okay, you. good. I don't go to the movies with you a lot okay, because yay. I don't love them as much as you do, but I, I will go see that one. Um, okay, rabbit trail done. Yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, if he is constantly like, this is what I want and we're going to do it or too bad. That is not a give and take mentality. No. And if that is a continuous thing, then that's definitely something I would suggest you evaluate and not let continue for a really long time. Yes. Or this is going to become a marriage based on a dictatorship. And it, that's the last thing you want. Right. And we're saying like, you have to have give and take on both sides. It's not that he takes all the time and you give all the time. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. You're the one saying, no, we're doing it this way. And he just, you know, because he's crazy about you, he does whatever you say. Yeah. That's not what give and take means. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, because it, it, I can come sometimes get this mentality in my head of, okay, well, I just need to be kinder and more patient and I should be, you know, being more selfless. And that's true. But if the other person never is, there's never any sort of like selflessness or willing to compromise on their part. No amount of you doing that is going to make a difference, really. Agreed. And then the last thing that I thought of was if there's a pattern of prioritizing other things over the relationship. I think Mm -hmm. especially as you get, as you get older, gosh, that sounds awful. (laughs) But you know, post-college when, when you're dating where you could really marry the person you're with. Kind of once you've reached that point of your schedule is not dictated for you, like in high school, in college, you have the same schedule. You see each other all the time. So it's kind of like, it's kind of prioritized for you because you kind of work through, okay, yes. we have school, and then we have this, and, it, like, it's That's a great way for to put you. It. It's not until after that, that that a person truly has to decide what their priorities are like that when it comes to, am I going to devote time to this person, or do I want to devote time to my career instead, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a much better way to explain it than what I was trying to say. And that's something, and it's not necessarily, this isn't a sin issue, but this is something that can cause a lot of tension and can really be a roadblock in a relationship. I have experienced this more than once where the guy I was dating, our priorities were just in very different places. And especially if you're at a point where you really want to make a relationship a high priority, if he does not feel that way, then it's okay for you to have that conversation of, hey, you know what? Maybe this just isn't going to work because we're not prioritizing this in the same way. And a relationship is like anything you get out what you put in. Yeah. So if it's fifth, sixth, seventh on your priority list, that's going to show. Whereas if it's, you know, very high up, that'll also show. Right. And so those are things that... I don't think you have to just always push through and work. Could you have these conversations and ahead of time, maybe be like, Hey, I really don't feel like we're prioritizing this the same. And then you talk about it and then you get on the same page. Great. So you can try, but I don't think these are things that you just automatically have to push through every single time to the point where you're miserable just because you're trying to make it work because you feel like you have to. Right. Well, and I think with that, too, there's a certain element of you need to manage your expectations. Like you said, maybe you're at different priority levels, but if you have a conversation and it's like, well, you know, yeah, it's going to be this mismatched level for six months until I get to this point at my job. And you say, okay, that's something I can do. There's this expectation there that, okay, at the end of six months, this will change. And you've agreed to that and you have like something that you can kind of work towards as there's goal, you can hold each other accountable to, 
that sort of thing. So like that you can, but I don't think you have, you don't have to settle for being down the priority line. If that's something that you're serious about right now is really looking for someone really serious about finding someone to marry and they're not at that place. I think that's a fine time to say, Agreed. We're not going to get to a point where, like like I've said before, once it's a really serious relationship and everyone's very attached, or you do get married, then you do have to work through that. Mm-hmm. It's not, none of these things that we're saying, with the exception of uh, abuse. Yes. But none of these things that we're saying are things that after you're married would, would still be things that you don't have to work mm-hmm. through. At yeah, that point, agreed. they are. Agreed. But some things I would say you do, you should work through, even just in dating, because they're going to be universal no matter who you end up with, are, and this one's a big one for me, just like if you have different, I didn't really know how to say this, but I just came social rhythms. He likes to go out, you like to stay in. He likes this type of, you know, entertainment event, you like different ones. Mm-hmm. That's something you can work through. Oh, yeah. Those are just rhythm of life type things that you should have conversations about. He's a morning person. You're a night person. Exactly. Things like that where I tend to look at it and think, oh, well, we need to, our lives need to be totally in sync when it comes to all these things that we do. And they don't. I, you know, I am conscious of that one because I think that's definitely something that if you're both willing to co- cooperate, like you were saying on, you're going to be putting the other person's needs above your own. And so you'll both want to do what the other person wants to do. And that can be worked through. On paper, it may not look like it matches up, but I think it can work. Another one there, too, is just general communication struggles. It doesn't matter who you're with. It doesn't matter how perfectly you line up on everything. You are going to communicate differently simply because of the fact that you're a woman and he's a man. (laughs) If there were nothing else, you were going to struggle. And so I think there has to, again, just be two-sided communication about the things you struggle with. If one person won't, it makes it really difficult. If you want to talk about things and they shut down and pull away, that's hard. That's not a deal breaker immediately. But if it's been addressed, I feel like then it becomes more of that. But I think at that point, the issue is not the communication struggle. It becomes what you were talking about, that lack of ability to cooperate. Mm -hmm. The unwillingness to do that. That's almost more of the issue at that point, not the communication struggle itself. Does that yeah, make sense? That makes sense. I think sense. all of these, at, at whatever point they do become some sort of deal breaker, if it can't be worked through, it's because of one of those things you talked about. There's an issue that they're not willing to cooperate on or you're not willing to. It's not always the other person. Yeah. Let's make that point. Yeah. But then within that too, basic character flaws and deficiencies should be worked through for the most part. I mean, <laughs> there are ones that sure, you know, maybe you wouldn't have as much patience for, but... None of us is perfect. And so if at the first sight of him not being perfect, you're wanting to cut and run, I hate to break it to you, but you're going to be alone a really long time in your life. I told them we weren't going to say they would be alone forever in this episode. I didn't say forever. I said a really long time. (laughs) No, I totally agree. (laughs) You're not going to find somebody perfect. And if you're expecting that, then you're going to be disappointed. If you look at it and say, you know what? I always imagined I would be with a guy who had this quality. Fill in the blank, whatever that thing is in your mind. And you look at this guy you're dating, this guy you're with, who's great in so many other ways, but he's not that one thing. And you say, well, I don't know if it's going to work because he's not that thing that I always imagine. You know, maybe God's going to use you in his life to, you know, to cultivate that in him. And 10 years down the road, you know, you're married. That thing, he is that thing you always wanted in a husband. But you had to give it that time for God to use you in his life and him to use him in yours. 
And I think if we just say, well, I'm looking for this perfect guy, just to, just what I need, then you're going to miss some of that because no guy is going to be that. I think you have to look for potential, not perfection in someone. Mm. And you have to keep in mind, you're not going to find a 25-year-old or 30-year-old even who is as mature as a 50-year-old, your dad, mm-hmm. spiritually. Yeah. Or even just in life experience. It's impossible. All people are sinful. And so looking for someone who is a perfect fit or completes you is just pointless. Yeah. I mean, that's funny you bring that up about my dad, and I know you feel the same way about your dad. I, My dad has set the standard very high for men, personally. <laughs> yeah. I am such a daddy's girl, and I love my dad to death, and I think he's wonderful. But then I also am like, you're very spiritually mature and you've got a great head on your shoulders and you have all this life experience and you've, you know, gone through all of these things and you have so much wisdom. And I'm like, man, the guy I want to marry, I really hope he has all these things. But I also have to remember he's probably going to be half my dad's age. And so while there's nothing, you know, to say that whoever I marry couldn't end up that way 25 years down the road, but I can't expect him to have that now. Well, if you look at it, you're looking at your dad now and saying, I want a husband like my dad is a husband. Your dad has been a husband for how many years? 31. They just had their anniversary last week. (laughs) Congrats, guys, by the way. But you're looking at him and saying, I want a husband like that with, you know, that husband with 31 years of experience. And I want him him to be like that today. Mm, it's yeah. like a job. I don't want to reduce it to like a job, but but yeah. If if someone if you went in to get a job and they hired you, but then they said, "Oh, but we need you to act like you've had thirty one years experience at this job," that'd be ridiculous. Yeah, it's ludicrous. No one would ever expect that. That's a great analogy, though. So if you think of it that way, this is something we've talked about before. Like we both have to work on this because that's what we see and that's what we want. But you've got to be mindful of the fact that he won't be there now. Mm-hmm. And that the only way whoever that guy is will get there is by being married. God will use you to help him become that. If you went and asked your mom or I asked my mom, I guarantee you all of those things that we see that we're like, oh, I want that. She'd be like, oh, you should have seen him when we first got married. I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think we just have to keep that in mind. Oh, for sure. And I think it's keeping this in mind is a really great reminder, too, because you have not arrived either. Preach. I am speaking <laughs> about have, myself. I'm yep. speaking about but I'm Me speaking too. about all of us. It's like we are not at our peak of maturity and wisdom and self-awareness and every other possible quality a healthy person has. So you can't expect things from somebody else that you're not willing to work on or develop in yourself. Totally. So this is a great time, and we've talked about this before with lists. Hold up your list if you don't meet the qualities of your own list. That's something to think about. I'm yeah. Like, okay, if I'm expecting a guy to be these things, why am I not holding myself to the same standard? Yeah. And take this time to grow and mature and, you know, ask God to give you that wisdom and ask him to give you, you know, these qualities that you're looking for and to develop those in you. Because it's not like, oh, I'm perfect now. I'm 30 and I'm wonderful. And <laughs> I just need to find a guy who is too. Who's at my level. Who's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to put it. The Lord knows. When two people are in a relationship and they eventually get married, it's two sinners. He knows there are faults, there are insecurities, there are fears on both sides going into that. Because it is unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. And the Lord realizes that. He knows that. But his goal in everything, like it says in Romans, 
is to work things for our good, which is to become more like him. He will use hard things. He will use faults in your spouse. He will use trials that you go through together to accomplish that goal. So that even includes the faults of the person you're with, their shortcomings. They're what you need to be more sanctified and what you need to become more like Christ. And so the Lord will use that in both of you. So the same thing, like we were saying before, he's not going to be perfect or where you would like him to be in certain areas. One, it's not your job to quote unquote fix him. That's the Lord's job. Yes. Your job is to be kind, loving, supportive. And then when the moments are given to be that source of sanctification in his life and that you're pointing out lovingly these things to be improved and are receptive of that when he does it too. The Lord will work out convicting, sanctifying, fixing, like we like to say, your spouse. That's not your job. No. And you as well. I mean, who better than your boyfriend or your spouse who you know loves you to point these things out? Like, because they want what's best for you. They want you to become a better version of yourself. They want you to become more like Christ. So it may not necessarily feel good. Trust me, I hate being <laughs> criticized. I mean, who doesn't hate being criticized? Well, sure. Even constructive criticism, like, oh, do you really have to tell me this? Yeah. But I know I said I wanted you to, but but do I, I really? really? I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> um, but they want they have your best interest yeah. at heart, and so and you can trust them to you know really come at this in a loving way, mm-hmm. and you should be willing to do the same for them. Yeah, I mean like that's such a picture of Christ's love for us. Oh, absolutely. He will use those tough times and those tough moments and that conviction and those situations to point out, hey, you're not where you thought you were and you're not where you need to be in this area. And he will use that and slowly refine us. And, you know, at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is, you know, asking questions like, does he have a high view of scripture? Is he truly seeking to honor the Lord? Is he, you know, striving to be obedient, being the best that he can be? Is he convicted and repentant when he messes up or makes a mistake, those are key. And those are the things you need to be looking for more than, is he the other half of my soul? Right. Because when you're looking for that, and when you're going into a relationship with that being the thing that you're both striving for, you've put the other person in the correct position and you've put God in the correct position. That hierarchy of importance, of authority, of focus. And just like when it's out of whack. There's disappointment and discontentment and frustration in your life. When you have those roles and responsibilities clearly defined correctly, there's so much freedom and there's so much peace that comes from just totally leaving to God what his role is and being responsible for yours and realizing that the only way you could do that is through him. And there's just, there's nothing better really than that. Whether it's with a boyfriend or a husband or just in friendship, when you keep God's priorities and God's responsibilities, his, and keep yours, yours, and not try to take on the other, there will be peace as opposed to the discontentment that the wrong way brings. I love that. I feel very encouraged. Me too. So, I was at first, I was like, oh gosh, is this going to be sad? And we're like, no, soulmates aren't out there. <laughs> but no, no, I, I feel like yeah. this is really good. And I think people at this point know we're not trying to just be dream killers. No, not a, that's the we're, last we're thing. I'm a fan of rom-coms. Our, we're preaching against... to ourselves yes. just as much. And we say this very easily. Both of us say, no, soulmates do not exist. But we have to stop. I mean, all of these things that we've gone through, 
we are guilty of doing. We're guilty of thinking. We're guilty of looking for. We you want because it is fun and romantic. And anytime someone says, oh, it can be easy if you do it this way. Obviously, we want that as opposed to hard work. And so we're going to gravitate towards that. But I think we just have to stay the course, keep preaching truth to ourselves, and the Lord will work out the rest. Exactly. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. We've enjoyed it. We will be back in two days with another episode of Couchcast. Couchcast. So stay tuned for that. But until then, I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. Looking for the Middle.